welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to some amazing entrepreneurs in the tech space. And you guys all know this is not where my talents lie. And so every Every interview has been so fascinating to me, not only to learn about these different parts of technology, but to learn about the people behind them and what got them interested in what they do and how what they do can and is changing the world. So let me tell you about my guest today. I'm going to try very hard to get his name correct, so I'm going to say it slowly. Gopal Aranjipurath. Aranjipurath. I'm going to get there. <laughs> and uh, I wrote it out phonetically because I really wanted to get it right. Now, let me tell you a little bit about him, though. So he's a CTO and head of product at Sust Global. It's a venture focused on geospatial analytics for climate adaptation. So I know this is a lot of maybe over my head, but I can't wait to learn more about it because I think it's going to make us all stop and take a different look, especially things related to the climate, especially after I listen to a few little snippets from uh, some of the things off of their YouTube channel. So now most recently he led analytics engineering team at Planet Labs, an integrated aerospace and data analytics company Wow, that operates history's largest commercial fleet of Earth's observation satellites. Okay, so now we all know this is important as we're looking at all kinds of pictures now of space, but maybe we also be, better be looking at what's going on on our planet. And when he was with Planet Analytics, they served a wide range of customers from city planning teams and governments and World Bank to defense and intelligence functions across the world. He is known for agile engineering execution from concept to scalable high quality products and has been an invited speaker at global industry conferences like oh, a little one called Google Cloud Next. So I know he's got a lot to say and I'm very honored that he's with us today. Gopal, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. You have an amazing background and obviously very, very talented. So I hit the highlights of what I could you know, read and understand on your bio. Tell us a little bit more in your own words about you, your business and how what you guys do help us all to shock our in now climate potential. Yeah, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. So uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and uh, listening to this conversation. I'm delighted to be here. Um, my, I, I categorize myself as a geo data scientist and primarily looking at data on uh, uh, geospatial data and that's linked to location. So as all of you are well aware, in the last 10 years has seen a remarkable turn in terms of the insights at our fingertips around uh, our locations and where we are at. When, when, when we travel, we know insights around the locations we are at when we travel. So uh, we've taken at, at Sus Global, uh, my new venture, 
which we founded little uh, less than two years ago. Uh, we are enabling businesses to understand the impact of the changing climate to their holdings and to their financial bottom line. And uh, to a great extent, there's, we're in an era where there's growing awareness around climate. Today, more than ever, climate is part of the frontier narrative when it comes to the geopolitical landscape or when it comes to the financial regulatory landscape. Uh, mm -hmm. In the last three years, we've seen increasing regulation from uh, regulation and disclosure reporting frameworks emerge from teams like the Task Force for Climate-Related Disclosures, and more recently, the Securities and Exchange Commission with their climate guidance, which will be uh, confirmed over the next couple of years. So it's an interesting time with awareness. However, this, despite all this chatter, the access to businesses to clean, validated, and trusted data around the changing climate at their asset locations, uh, that, which are spread across the world, has been limited. And SUS Global intends to transform that uh, and enable the ability uh, across the economy towards using a shared set of commonly known primitives around climate data is being our mission uh, to enable a net positive world. So my, I started my career in multimedia and have always worked in high data volume applications like uh, like video and video analytics. And then around the way, I got really inspired in pursuing a career more on environmental data because it was closer to home, uh, living mm. in uh, San Francisco where we had you know, some pretty, pretty acute uh, environmental challenges related yeah. to wildfires. And with uh, my origins being in uh, Kerala, India, where you saw two one in 100 year flight floods in successive years, which yeah. in uh, statistically shouldn't be happening if they're categorized correctly. So that inspired me to start down exploring the data around the environment, bringing together observations of activity, human activity and climate related impacts from wildfires, cyclones, floods, along with the forward looking predicted capability, uh, which is what you get from frontier climate models and enabling a shared understanding uh, across the financial services ecosystem uh, in terms of the impacts of the changing climate. You know, it's, gosh, so many things. I just took a ton of notes. I don't know even where I want to start with my first question. Uh, so I'm going to ask a question that might be very silly, but that's okay. You know, as I, I'm seeing that, number one, the world is paying more attention now. We are paying more attention to the climate, the changes in climate, the impacts. We can't help but see, especially with things like wildfire. In fact, a couple of years ago, my husband and I drove um, between uh, Sacramento and Washington State, um, and we were kind of skirting some of the fires. Like, you know, where we were driving, luckily, we were not in imminent danger, but there were times where we're like, okay, those are some big, those are big clouds of uh, smoke up ahead. So you can see it. And I know that we we all think it's important and we, we know that there's things that we can do individually, but I'm kind of curious about some decisions businesses are making to try to say they're, and I'm using my little air quotes, you know, that they're trying to become carbon neutral or uh, net zero or whatever the, the fancy terms are. Because for instance, how can, how can an airline truly become, you know, 
how can how can they really have a positive impact when we know I, and I, I fly all the time so I feel kind of guilty asking this question but how can they actually make a difference in the climate can they because I know that you've got the data but I I don't really know how it's possible in some of those cases unless they're buying other people's like credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, great question. I I feel like the the impacts are multifold, and what I mean by that is there are there are some businesses that can look at the impacts of the changing climate to their holdings, which is more of the problem we saw, which is adaptation, uh, and identifying predictive mitigative measures to prevent that in the long term and you got to also understand climate is like uh, as a global phenomenon you know, the changing mm -hmm. climate doesn't affect just one person in a specific way it affects different people different ways and the yeah. variability uh, is across time and across space and bringing that together as a shared understanding is important and when it comes to aviation, I think it's more around jet fuel and efficiency across jet fuel, an area where I'm not an expert, but I'm beginning to see uh, the awareness of like people uh, trying to look at their own carbon footprint. And mm -hmm. that's where the dialogue kind of changes from, okay, when I look at my footprint, I'm looking at what is my impact on the changing climate? And then you're also able to assess what's the impact of the changing climate on you and your own operations over the course of time. So mm -hmm. I think it comes down to if it was an aviation company or an airline company, carbon credits are one way. They're trying to seek offsets towards being net zero or green. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're also looking at internal operational measures to reduce uh, emissions. Uh, because that enables them to be more profitable in terms of the fewer credits that they need to buy. So, right. yeah, in a very low margin business like airlines, I think the the creativity on the material side is going to triumph what impact they put or efforts they put on credit purchases. I love that word too, just creativity. Is it so when you, I don't know what kind of businesses, you know, are using the, the data that you're coming up with. So maybe you can explain a little bit more about that. But I love the concept that really it's not just a good or bad or right or wrong business. It's about understanding, accepting, and then then being committed to finding creative ways to find positive solutions. Yeah. I think that that is paramount and that goes into the kind of teams we are beginning to see uh, who are using climate data creatively today. So there is an existing business around reporting uh, that has existed for the last 10 years. It's seen the resurgence of uh, new innovative talent and new entrants like ourselves. And the opportunity there is how can we make reporting more transparent, enable more granularity and enable more ground truthing of what is put on paper uh, in, in terms of disclosures across companies, across equities, across securities that are traded uh, in public markets. The, the more creative avenues, avenues we are seeing is when, as climate becomes mainstream in the dialogue uh, mm -hmm. on the geopolitical as well as the regional uh, and the civic scales, you're beginning to see the, the desire in the public to invest in a climate conscious way. And that's where the market's still very new. Like mm -hmm. in, in, to a great extent, it connects into the notion of conscious capitalism, 
which is elevating humans to business. Uh, and that uh, begins with knowing why you and your team and your company exist and building the moral compass around the true north. So when businesses seek to enable um, the climate conscious uh, avenues, then they seek to use climate data in new and creative ways. So one of them is around just the same way you have indices right now. We could envision a world in the future where there is a sustainable index where every part, uh, which already exists in, in some forms, uh, where every uh, constituent of the index is graded very differently than just what the S&P 500 grades uh, companies and constituents are. And uh, the metrics there around sustainability being climate positive and uh, having the right protective and mitigative measures to the changing climate. So that's one venue where we're beginning to see desire from the public and the public markets drive new creative solutions that are powered by climate data from solutions uh, and data um, data analytics companies like ours. I love it. And, and it really does. I love the idea of conscious capitalism that you know we have a responsibility. You can still grow, have, be a profitable company. You can, you know, you can go for world domination, but if you're going to do it and do it right, building your, like you said, a moral compass around your true north means taking these things seriously, not just for what you can do, but also being serious about recognizing the financial impact that it's going to have on your business, other business, the markets, because there's all those pieces will connect with each other. Yeah, exactly. And in that narrative, a big part of my learning over the last couple of years, which is kind of contrary because everyone who works in climate thinks that oil and gas is just like bad and evil. And the, 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 the big elephant in the room, one might call, is that we're all very dependent on that. There is no life without the consumption of oil and gas in most of the black world today. And that when, when you look at the narrative of conscious capitalism around the changing climate, one needs to factor into the fact that, that you know, the clean energy transition is still underway and it's in its early days. And mm -hmm. any pragmatic solution that brings into account the changing climate needs to also account for the, uh, the state of affairs today as yeah. we are on trajectory rather than create um, uh, conceptual designs of what things can look like where there is the transition gap between where we are at today and what that ideal can be. Mm -hmm. And when you're building a business in particular, because you know, we have a bunch of entrepreneurs who are listening to this, uh, it's very important to know uh, where where we're at today as you look into the into your true north and mm -hmm. connecting those two worlds and being able to uh, identify the conflicting demands of the present and the future uh, are kind of what an entrepreneur has to figure out in this changing, uh, in, in this fast-moving ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, every business faces that in a number of issues and where you want to be versus where you are, does it, it's not magic. You have to take the steps to get there and you have to be realistic about what has to happen on the path. Um, I love it. We're going to take a quick break. We are going to hear from our sponsor for the month and we will be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? 
Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then Shock Your Media Potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Gopal Aaron, uh, Aaron Jeeparath and with Sust Global. And we are, I, I'm just fascinated. I'd like to go back to a statement that you made in the beginning um, and have you explain it a little bit more because you were talking in the beginning about how access to data has been limited, uh, data in particular to this, to this, uh, this topic and how it's been limited. Why is that the case? Or, you know, why are, why are we just now starting to talk from more, um, I mean, we have certain data points, but what the, this connection between the financial implications, you know, the business impact and the, the access to data, why, why has that been so limited prior and where do you see this going in the future? Yeah, I, I feel like it, the genesis of that, that challenge comes back to the community. So there is a vibrant community of brilliant researchers who've been looking at climate-related and environmental impacts and climate-related impacts for the last several decades. However, you need to be living in that community or connected <laughs> to the community to be able to understand that. Mm -hmm. and, and and the other end, there is uh, there's the financial ecosystem, which is largely derived on, uh, which is built on top of instruments that are packaging securities in different ways and enabling enabling investable instruments. And the there's the there's a gap between these two communities. So the community that understands climate and the community that wants to use climate but doesn't understand climate. So to a great extent, it's, the, the, it's been the absence of effective translators towards not knowing, you don't need to know everything about the climate to be able to use it. Just like us, we don't know everything about the car's engine, but we drive the car and derive value and benefits from it. Uh, for those of you who drive, there's a similar mm -hmm. for those of you who don't. Uh, but that you you get the point. So it's primarily the it's a knowledge gap that has existed, and uh, at Sus Global we're trying to uh, limit that in the venues that we serve. And it's going to be it's going to be a generation before that's widely accepted and widely known. But the time is now for us to like get more educated and aware about uh, what climate actually is. Yeah, I, I just made me, as you were talking about, the first thing that came to my mind was in the fall of 2020. So the last few years, my husband and I have talked about buying a place in Florida. 
And so, you know, the pandemic hit, we actually just, you know, got in the car, went down to my mother-in-law's condo and stayed there for four, four months in Florida. So we were looking at houses that were on the water. And it was really interesting because by the time we really, you know, all of a sudden the pricing of housing was going crazy and, you know, it's up like 40% than where it was. And that's the first time I actually ever then, we couldn't find, you know, what we were looking for. We, we, it was just getting too expensive for what we wanted to pay. And all of a sudden I watched this show talking about, you know, the impact on the rising sea levels in Florida. And I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, there I could actually put the, the number to the impact. Like if you already buy a house 40% higher than it was in 2020 and within 30 years, it's, you know, the, it's probably going to be at least at the water level. That's a problem. That's a problem with the value of the home you bought. And all of a sudden I said, maybe we don't want to buy a home in Florida anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and in, I, I, I do believe that that's a very, very timely analogy, a timely uh, example, because in real estate, the thinking is natively longer term from the consumer side. It's probably yeah. not the long term when it comes to uh, securities traders, but when it comes to when you're the holder of the asset, you have to think a little longer term because you're not buying and moving in months. You're buying right. and stay there for like years and maybe decades. So the hazards that you mentioned, like rising sea level rise, which are a direct effect of uh, uh, global warming and glacier melt are mm -hmm. very relevant. And I would say another dimension people are realizing now, but the awareness has been relatively slow to build up is um, water supply and water scarcity. Now, for example, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, recently, I recently came across a very well articulated uh, blog on the moment of reckoning around the federal warning around the Colorado River water supply and the yes. cuts expected from that. So the Colorado River's reservoirs have diminished significantly where these kind of cuts are going to be important. And there are seven states that connect into it. So there are yeah. seven states that derive water from the Colorado River that includes Colorado, California, Arizona, uh, a beautiful state of Wyoming, uh, all of which have like a tremendous amount of biodiversity, but also a huge amount of human population. And yep. they're the ones who are going to be affected by the, the limitation in the water reservoirs of this location. And that affects a huge population. And, and that's, that's going to be mainstream with the confluence of water shortage and drought, like what yep. you see in California, like yeah. Uh, and the rising heat in places in other parts of the world. So essentially, we're beginning to hear the dialogue around climate migration, which is, mm -hmm. okay, we, we are living in a certain place right now. If you were to move somewhere, previously the big migration angle was around opportunity mm -hmm. and around geo-arbitrage on wealth. But I believe climate's introducing a third dimension there, which is where is it livable? Because you might yeah. be able to afford a house, but if it's incredibly difficult to live there because of extreme uh, weather and changing climate and exposure to climate hazard, that needs to be factored in. Yes. 
Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because my husband, uh, his company has a plant in Wyoming. So we were like, well, maybe we just need to buy a you know, property in Wyoming and buy it where there's already water supply on there because then we have our own water and we are a little, it's a little bit, you have a little longer term of, uh, of safety and security, but it'll probably become more valuable to the point you just said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those are all important things for us to think about. And I, I, I really, I love the fact that you, um, you know, you're talking about things that we, we all know are going on, but let's, if we stop and ask ourselves questions, whether it's with our businesses, with our own purchases, with our own actions as individuals, then maybe we will take a longer term perspective on what is this, you know, how is this going to impact us, my community, our world, can I make a, a, a better or different decision based on the data that I do have that maybe will give us as a whole planet some more opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, I'm beginning to see more of that myself, which is like, uh, when, when it comes to opportunity around the uh, the emergence of these, these capabilities, I, I feel you know, we are at a fascinating time where just like the last two years saw an unprecedented amount of awareness around uh, drug discovery and the use of data in unique ways towards uh, cracking that challenge. And we've seen the results of that. We're back to like meeting people in person and that was possible yeah. with the vaccine and uh, the, the passage of time, of course. Uh, we've seen a similar thing in climate, which is one, the growing awareness and people having the sense of purpose, which is what could be what could I do with my skills to address this problem and benefit in the process? You're benefiting humanity and you're also enabling yourself to thrive in that, that emergent landscape. So we're beginning to see that. And secondly, we're beginning to see you know the emergence of these cross-functional and interdisciplinary teams because climate inherently requires that interdisciplinary function. It brings together the concepts of geology, hydrology, uh, and uh, atmospheric and oceanic uh, sciences together. And all of them are very data-heavy environments in today's, in, uh, today's, uh, uh, in, in today's sciences. So bringing that together along with data infrastructure, which is the land of computer scientists and uh, distributed computing, uh, can create some unique opportunities. So you don't need to know all those domains, but you can pick up enough of the foundational knowledge in many and create a shared understanding and then work with others who are in different domains towards creating some of these newer opportunities and newer businesses. So uh, I think that is emergent. I've seen during the pandemic, the buildup of like new communities that are all very conscious about the changing climate and they are hotbeds for this sort of innovation, which is interdisciplinary. I think it's fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go with this because this is, um, this is exciting work and it's important. So I, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to expose my audience to it. And I know we're gonna have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case anybody wants to look you up right now, learn more about you and what you're doing, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I would say the best, you know, go to uh, susglobal.com. And there's a lot of information there uh, on what we're doing. We're also organizing a few uh, workshops on climate data. Great place for you to get onboarded on our uh, technology and our data sets and uh, get onto our freemium package 
and start exploring how climate data can help your business. So uh, if you wanted to reach out to me directly on that, uh, LinkedIn is the best place to find me. So I'm sure you can include a link on that. We absolutely will. We always tag it in there without a doubt. Well, thank you so much, Kapal, for sharing all of uh, the information that what you're doing is very fascinating. But before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I actually have, um, you know, two dimensions worth leaving you all with. Uh, the first one is in this, uh, in this connected world where we're all working remotely. It's a great time to pick up new domains. And uh, which whenever you, if you're building a business in a new domain, and I had to go through this multiple times in my career, and I've done it in the last couple of years, and I continue to do it in my journey with SUS Global, is um, picking up the background in the domain you operate in, like understanding the domain language being used there, understanding what, what happened before you arrived on the scene. And uh, innovation is an overused term. You know, big business opportunities uh, exist at the intersection of domains. So what you bring into a new domain can be very unique, uh, provided you're able to understand and refine your product and service thesis. And inherently, product development is an iterative process and being comfortable with imperfection in the early days and also working with others who are comfortable with imperfection so that they can be encouraging and partnering with you on that journey as you go from you know, the early idea to mature idea to prevalent product capability to widespread usage. I love it. And absolutely, we talk a lot about imperfections on this podcast, <laughs> usually my own. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for sharing uh, your story, your message with us. And you have been a fantastic guest. I'm so glad you joined us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.